I've worked very hard to be very conscious about making sure that people know that I take care of my mental health in certain ways. So like I will proudly and happily say like, yeah, I go to therapy and I take medication because there's probably somebody in that room or with an earshot of me that is struggling and feels shame in the idea of doing any of those things. And it's like, if you're really sick, then you need to take medication. You know, like that's just how it is. And sometimes it's just like a head cold and you're like, oh, it's fine, whatever. And like, you just like let it pass. And sometimes it's like, oh no, this is really fucked up. And like, if you don't take medication, like you're going to be in pain or you're going to be suffering and whatever. And like, not everyone's issues get to that point, but a lot of people's do. And I don't know, just like, you don't have to suffer is basically what I'm trying to say. There's no award that you get for not taking care of yourself. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for listening in. I am Roberta, the illustrator behind Happy Impulse, and this is Happy Impulse Unfiltered, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the bullshit happening in our society and accurate art about it. Because the more we talk about this shit, these issues, the more we can change and better the world around us. So, welcome to Happy Impulse Unfiltered, and thank you for giving a fuck. I'm super stoked and I want to welcome Jess Goldsmith to the podcast. She's a creative badass illustrator, lettering artist, and is a mental health advocate. So Jess, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So before we dive in, can you briefly tell the listeners about yourself? Yes. So hi, everyone. My name is Jess Goldsmith. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm an independent illustrator, lettering artist, and art director. Um, we'll probably get into some of that today. I also talk about mental health a lot. Sure, we'll get into a lot of that today. And I'm obsessed with my dog, Ruby. She's very cute. Yeah. <laughs> what type of dog is it? She's a black pug. <gasps> She's really cute. Yeah. She has an Instagram. We can talk about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's at Ruby Booby Pug. Huge fan already. I have a <laughs> miniature Australian Shepherd. Oh. A huge fan of animals here. So you're passionate about mental health. Do you want to dive a little bit deeper? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people in the world, across the board in general, are struggling right now. But specifically, there's people like myself that struggle just like a little bit more anxiety, depression, ADHD, and then there's other things, but I'm just, you know, rattling off my my mental illnesses. So yeah, knowing like firsthand experience, how debilitating some of it could be, I like to put myself in a position to be an advocate for people that are struggling differently than I am or similar to the way that I had been or I don't know, just like having a hard time talking about it, being open about it on like public platforms, I think is really important and destigmatizes a lot of it. I mean, it's only really been like in the last five years or so that people are really, really, really talking about mental health in like mainstream spaces. And up until then, it was just kind of like, oh, this just. So I'm really happy that that's the direction that the world has gone in. But I enjoy being able to be open about it, talking about it, and finding people that I can just discuss all of it with. No, definitely. Especially as creatives, 
It influences how we interact with the world. It takes a lot of mental energy. Oh, yeah. When you're creating, you're putting a lot of your heart and your soul in there, and it takes a lot out of you. It's a lot of emotional labor. Emotional labor, mental labor. I feel like I'm constantly emotionally and mentally exhausted, and that in turn turns into like physical exhaustion. But it's not because like I've been standing or doing like manual labor all day. I'm sitting hunched over my computer on my couch. I mean, throwing your whole heart and soul into work is fun and I enjoy it and I love it, but it's it's definitely exhausting. It takes a lot. How do you find ways to kind of try to keep that balance and still be creative? Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I've been therapy. So my therapist and I are working on that because... She hasn't explicitly said that I'm a workaholic, but she's made implications and she's not wrong. I mean, I tend to put self-care on the back burner really as long as I can until like I hit a tipping point of like having a pretty bad burnout episode, which manifests in a lot of shitty ways, but trying really, really hard to like remain conscious about it, which that in itself is laborious, I think. And reminding myself that I can't get any of my work done if I'm not healthy. You know, and that's really what the self-care comes down to. It's about being healthy because like, I'll forget to eat. I'll forget to drink water. I'll be like, oh, you know, I'm just like not going to move my body for like four days. I'll just stay in front of my computer. I'll stay up till 3 a.m. working. And like that all does take a, a very real toll on your physical health as well as mental health, obviously. But it's working hard to stay super conscious about it. And I read this quote somewhere and like, I don't know who said it. It was like, self-care is how you take your power back. And I read that. I was like, oh, fuck. They're right. If I feel good, then I feel powerful in whatever that means to me. You know, I'm like, I feel powerful enough to just live my life. And that does take power sometimes to just get up and live the day and all of that. Yeah, it's really hard finding that balance. And I lose my balance a lot. Yeah, that's that's my long short answer. If it makes you feel any better, I also lose my balance a lot. I'm constantly late. Yeah. Knowing that I could be on time in the morning, I will set my alarm. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up at the alarm. The alarm goes off or I wake up even before the alarm goes off. I will cut the alarm off and I will not get up. Like, I'll be awake. (laughs) I just, nothing will occur. And the time will slip by and it'll keep going. And I have not moved. Yeah, I've done that. It's like getting up two hours early or starting to get ready two hours earlier than I need to and still ending up being late. Or like getting somewhere early than waiting in the car and then still being late because you get distracted. It was like on my phone. I'm like, oh man, I've been scrolling for 20 minutes longer than I should have been. Right. Like I've missed meetings where I was like starting to illustrate or I'm working on something else. And the client is emailing me like, uh, we're on the call. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, whoops. Cool. Sorry. I'll be there soon. And then I'll look and they'd emailed me 20 minutes before. And I'm like, I Uh, am so sorry. Yeah. I haven't had time blindness like to that effect, but Definitely like getting really focused on something and not realizing what's going on around me. Like yesterday, for the first time in a very long time, I went to go work in a coffee shop and I'm sitting there working, doing my thing. And all of a sudden I look up and like they were basically closed. 
And I hadn't even noticed, like they cleaned all the tables, picked up all the chairs, like closed one of the doors. And I'm like, I was apologizing to them. I'm so sorry. Like, I don't want to be that person that's holding up the staff from leaving their job. So I, I definitely get that. For me, that's a symptom of ADHD. But I know that there's so many other things, like even with anxiety and depression, they all hang out. They're all interconnected in these ways. Right. Like it's hard to explain to someone. So I have anxiety and depression. Same. One of my friends will come up to me. You're like really great today. Like you're smiling, you're laughing, you're joking around. And I'm like, right. But then tonight I'll probably be taking like a really long bath and being like, cool. It'd be nice to not be here. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, it sounds like maybe you're similar to me where like most of my anxiety comes at night during the day doing my thing feeling fine. But like in the back of my head, I know like tonight is going to be really fucked up. I'm in a spiral tonight and you just feel it and you just know it. And even if it doesn't happen, the anxiety of it potentially happening just spirals you into that anxiety. Oh, definitely. Sucks. (laughs) Right now, I sound like a complete asshole when I do this. I don't drive anywhere and it's because... Mm-hmm. every time I'm driving, I'll have this flash. I just want to like wreck my car and just like swerve it into the other lane and like hit a tree or something. Yeah, I I don't. Yeah. Okay. So I have those intrusive thoughts also not to the point where like, okay, I'm going to do it. But I'm always like, what if like, okay, you know, that TikTok where they're like, oh, whoop. yeah. Can you explain the TikTok? Someone's pretending to drive. And then like something bad happens like at work and then like they make a gesture as if they're just like whoop driving off the highway. So like I've had those intrusive thoughts where it's like, what if I just jumped out of my apartment window right now? Like what would happen? And like I'm not going to do it, but it definitely happens that I have those thoughts. And I brought it up to my therapist. And I'm not telling you this like as a point of concern that like this is something I'm going to do. But these are thoughts that just pop into my head. And then I'm like, that's really messed up. You can't do that. You can't just jump out the window. You can't just crash your car on the highway so definitely yeah for me it has never been at the point where I'm like oh I'm gonna do that but yeah I have these intrusive thoughts all the time and they're scary and they're ugly all right well back when I was in LA I had a therapist for about a year and I said here's the deal we're going to use a flag system if I'm having a great day green if it's like a questionable day yellow and if it's an emergency red and okay because I want to talk about having those intrusive thoughts I don't want to be automatically sent to the psych ward right so if I don't have a safe space to talk about how I have seen stairs and then wouldn't it be so easy just to fling myself down the stairs and In my rational, logical brain, I'm like, no, bad, don't do that. Right. But I want to be able to see what has caused these thoughts because if I was locked up in a psych ward, that's not going to actually help my mental health. Yeah. Because I'm going to feel trapped. I'm going Mm -hmm. to feel isolated. I'm not going to be illustrating. I'm not going to be like out in the world. So in my end of things, I just have to learn how to cope with them in a better and healthier environment and just be aware that they exist. So my therapist gave me the space to have those thoughts and to let them keep going. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. Maybe I'll, I'll preface my next session with kind of just like want to talk about intrusive thoughts and anything that I say here is not meant to be taken as me doing any of these things. It's just 
passing thoughts through my brain. Right. Because my therapist was like, okay, here's your safety plan. If you have the intrusive thought or if something is really bumming you out, you cannot do anything. Alert your partner or take a hot bath or why don't you like read a book, cut off your computer, just like step away. Why don't you take a walk? But not near a busy intersection. I mean, like a small, short walk in a very safe area. Yeah. <laughs> and a grassy knoll. Exactly. Exactly. And she's like, I want you to find some happiness. And if your happiness ends up being that you want to just like listen to really loud music and lock yourself in your room and just listen to music from the 90s, that's perfectly fine. If that's what's going to help you get through the night when you're having a hard night, then do it. If what's going to get you through the night is telling your partner, hey, this is what's up. I just want lots of cuddles. I want lots of love. I want you to tell me I'm awesome. Then that's great too. Yeah. Because sometimes with those thoughts or when you are in that an episode of depression or anxiety, when you're in that darkness, you just have to do things that will help you survive to the next moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. On my end, intrusive thoughts on your end, what symptoms that you're experiencing with mental health that you're trying to cope through. So the intrusive thoughts thing definitely happens with me, but it's not something that I find interferes with my life. It's just like, okay, I'm noticing that I'm having this thought. Um, I'm also recognizing that it's pretty fucked up and I just like push it out of my mind. Haven't always been able to do that, but that's, I guess, a skill that I've been able to pick up over the years. So this new fun thing that happens to me now is I get a little anxious and then I just stop breathing. And this is new, like it's not like my heart stops, like my brain just doesn't inhale, exhale, just doesn't happen. And this is new, I mean, like in the last two weeks or so, where all of a sudden I recognize that I'm feeling anxiety, but I don't realize that I've stopped breathing. And all of a sudden I'm just like <gasps> gasping for air. And I'm like, what the hell? Like I almost just passed out. That's crazy. And then the full, I don't want to say anxiety attack because like it doesn't always get to that point, but the anxiety episode kind of like starts and it's like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. And it's, you know, breathing. Okay, fine. But that's something new that I've never had. I've always felt my anxiety in my chest and in my stomach, but more of like the nausea feeling than anything else. And I've gotten like the sweatiness, but stopping to breathe completely new and I'm like great okay <laughs> this is a new one and with anxiety it's like very paralyzing where picking at my fingers or my skin my nails whatever and I fall into this paralyzed state of only being able to do that I'll like sit on the couch freaking out I don't even know what I'm freaking out about but I'm stuck in this position and it'll be hours until I can actually like get myself to get up and move or go to bed, have a glass of water, even use the bathroom. It's honestly, it's very ugly. And I know that there are other people that experience this. There's no way that I'm the only person in the world that does. The paralyzingness of it, where you're, you're telling yourself like, okay, like you've been sitting here in the same spot for an hour and a half, biting your nails, your cuticles are bleeding. Get up. What are you doing? It's one in the morning, go to sleep. And I'm just like, I can't. It's like, what do you mean you can't? Like, I don't know how to explain it. I'm unable to do that. It's almost like there's two parts of you. And the part of you that's in control loses control for that moment. And the other part of you that's normally in control is like, hey, get up, get moving. 
Yeah. And it seems so simple, right? Objectively. It's like, oh, I just get up, you know, like (laughs) I can't, I just can't do it. And I don't know. Yeah, it sucks. I was talking to a relative and they know me well, but we don't speak often. So like they don't know like the everyday ins and outs of my life and they don't know like how much I may or may not be struggling on a certain day. They're like, you have anxiety and depression and you just found out that you have ADHD. And despite all that, you do all this really cool shit and you do your work and you're successful and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you see what I'm like allowing you to see. What's behind the curtain is me staying up way past midnight, spiraling, laying down on the couch, crying or just breathing deeply because like I can't get myself to do anything else. And it's like, I get all that done, but sometimes I get that done at really late hours of the night because I've spent my entire day like not being able to move, not being able to actually do anything. And like, it's not like fun to be talking about that all the time, even though I think it's important to put it out there and let people know like, this is okay. Like this is something that happens. You're not alone. You're not the only person dealing with this, but like, I don't want to be talking about it all the time. And so I don't, and because I don't, people don't know that that's happening to me and that's fine. That's okay. But I don't want people to look at me or anyone else. That's like, oh, wow. Like you're doing this, that, and the other thing and think like, wow, you're doing so great. Yeah. I'm doing so great. And in many aspects of my life. That's true. But then there's some aspects where it's like hard to just survive the day. And I think this is a part of mental health as well. We don't want to feel whatever problems are going on with us should be burdened on other people. So if we talk about it, we talk about like today sucks, this is why it sucks. And we dive deep into it. And it's the same thing for like five weeks we don't want to reach out to our friends because they're hearing the same thing over and over again. And we're aware that we're in this loop that we're trying to break out of. But the only thing we're focused on in that loop is being in the loop. Yeah. I hate the idea of defining myself by any of my mental illnesses. Like I don't even like saying I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm AD. I don't know if I'm ADHD is like grammatically correct, but like I'll say I have this because it's not something that is me. That is not me. When I'm spiraling in my anxiety, when I'm spiraling in like an ADHD episode, a depressive episode, that's not me. That's something that's happening to me, passing through me, whatever. But like when I'm at my best, that's who I really, really am. And I have my most fun and I'm happiest when, obviously, when I'm not struggling. On my end, I get really pissed off after an episode because of how much shit all of a sudden can do. I can get everything done in a day that normally would take me a week. And I'm looking around and I'm kind of like, great, I'm in a great mood, but I'm so pissed about this. Do normal people have this experience where they normally get all of these things done, they accomplish all of their goals. And it's so easy. And I'm so angry about it. I don't know. But it's so funny that you say that because I had two conversations about this today, one with my mom. So myself, my sister and my dad, we all have ADHD, but it's all like newly discovered. And for reference, I'm 30 years old. And I was just diagnosed. I was always losing things, always a mess. And always like, I don't know, just not remembering where anything in my my life was and hard to concentrate. But I was only diagnosed earlier this year or like late last year. So I don't know like what the context of the conversation was. But I was like, I work well under pressure because like, I'll just wait until something like really needs to get done. And then I'll get through 
week's worth of work done in two hours. And she was like, oh, yeah, your father does that too. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. And um, I was talking to my business coach and I recently lost my grandfather and that's been pretty hard. And I took a week off from working and like I still got things done because I had deadlines, but I, I took a week off from like going really hard with my work. And I was just like, I feel behind on my goals and I feel guilty and I feel like shame is maybe like too strong of a word for how I'm feeling for like being behind on my goals, but it, but it fits into that category. And she was just like, you don't have to get all of the things done all of the time. But I'm annoyed, similar to you. Now I'm like back in action and I'm ready to like hit the pavement, but I'm behind. So I need to like double and triple up. And like, I don't know if that actually makes sense. I don't know if I actually need to do that. But like the feelings of like frustration and just like annoyed at myself, God forbid, taking time for myself when there's a death in the family, you know, just like, oh, how could I have done that? (laughs) Which is kind of crazy. I think one of the problems that a lot of freelancers have, and I have it too, we're very bad at boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Because like we love what we do and a client will come up to us and be like, hey, I really want to do this. And in your head, you're like, oh, I don't have time. And they're like, oh, well, you pay me that. I could get like a new pair of shoes or like a few pairs of shoes or like go buy that new camera lens that I really want or something like you already like spent the money you were going to say no to and you're like ah (laughs) okay I guess I'm going to do it and then you're doing work on top of work that you shouldn't have been doing in the first place because you're exhausted you're worn out but it would be nice to have that stupid camera lens and you're like okay I'm just gonna get it done anyway (laughs) and you're probably working like after hours I'm always working after hours. I'm never not working after hours. But something that like I've told myself, there's going to be different types of clients. Some are going to be your absolute dream clients that align with everything that you want to do and they're good to you and they pay you a lot of money. And then there's going to be clients that align with you and you could do everything that you want, but they don't really have the budget. And then there's going to be clients that have a ton of money, but they suck. And it has to be one of those, you know, like I can feel shitty doing a certain project or working with certain people for a certain amount of money. That's not to say that like, oh, everything is about money, but like there are goals. There are financial goals that I want to hit. There are business goals that I want to hit. And like sometimes you really like a brand or an idea or a project, but like the team is just like not meshing well with you. I don't know. I just don't like the way that they communicate and like that's harder. I can take a shitty project and shitty is obviously like arbitrary, you know, it's like whatever I do, team shitty for myself for a lot of money. Or I can do an amazing project that I love for a little bit amount of money, but the ideal is an amazing project for a lot of money. That's the gold standard all the time. The gold standard would be so nice to have all the time. Uh, so you said earlier, there's some days that you have that you just cannot get anything done. Yeah. And then maybe two or three o'clock in the morning, you managed to get whatever client work that you had on your plate out the door. And everyone sees everything you're doing on social media. And they're like, you've got all of your shit together. They see my highlight reel. It's my greatest hits. Exactly. How do you not let that get to you? I don't really have to deal with it too often. Like I don't have people coming at me being like, you don't have anxiety. You don't have depression. It's not something that I really like ever need to deal with, 
But I do feel kind of weird talking about my mental health on social media, even though I do it pretty often, because I think it's important. I still feel weird about it. People that are going to hire me aren't here to talk about what's going on in my brain. And some people would argue that. Some people would be like, well, people hire based off personality, blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, so get me on the phone. I have a killer personality. I'll hit that out of the park. No problem. I just think it's important. I feel like the word normalize is like used way too much, but just make it known to other people. Like you're not the only one struggling and you're not alone in what you're doing. As I said that, I'm realizing it's like, you're not the only one. And I don't mean it like that, (laughs) but it's like, you know, you shouldn't feel alone in, in what you're feeling. And like, at least for me, I feel comfort in knowing that not that other people are struggling. That sounds messed up, but like, I'm not so badly damaged that I can't live a good life from it. And I do live a good life. And despite me talking about like all the bad shit that comes with my mental health, I'm at a point in my life now, and I'm very grateful for this, that I have way more better days than bad days. It's probably like one to nine ratio at this point. And that fluctuates depending on the week, the time of year, the time of month, all of that. Most of my days are good days. And if not good, at least fine. I'm not suffering all day, every day, but I still do have these episodes of anxiety and these episodes of depression and just these episodes of, I don't know, like just freezing in my brain. So Jess, I was trying to suss out how when you're working on something, you're having like a bad day. And I'm so thankful that you have more good days than bad. So incredibly thankful because that is such an amazing feat. Yeah. Took a long time. (laughs) With mental health, I'm still struggling to view it as a physical problem instead of just all in my head. So I have to keep trying to look at it when I say, oh, I have depression. It's the same thing as if I sprained my foot. Factually. Yes. And the reason I'm trying to do it on my end, and I think you're in the same lane with me on this, is because younger me didn't have anyone to talk to about it. And if younger me saw older me willing to talk about it, willing to have conversations where, hey, I'm so sorry, I didn't brush my teeth today. And it's not because I didn't want to. I saw the toothbrush. I saw the bathroom. (laughs) I was in the bathroom at the sink, looked at the toothbrush, still didn't brush my teeth. Physically, mentally, something. Been there. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Nothing. I actually don't know if I brushed my teeth this morning now that <laughs> now that we bring it up. I, I have no idea. can confirm I did not brush my teeth this morning, um, but I did, of course, look at the toothbrush. I always look at it. I just don't, I just don't pick it up all the time. Right. Like, it's in my head, <laughs> brush your teeth. Yeah. In my head, I'm aware of it as a person. This is the time. This is the time to do it. You're disgusting. Please, for the love of God, do this. And I just walk away. I can't tell you how glad, not like I'm glad that this happens to you, but like how glad I am to hear you say that because I've never, I have these open conversations with my friends all the time and we we all have like, you know, different things that we deal with, but no one's ever put it in a way that I relate to so much where it's like you're standing there this is the time to do it you're not going to brush your teeth when you're taking a walk later you're brushing your teeth when you're in the bathroom in front of the sink looking at the toothbrush and you still don't do it and you still don't and I I don't know why like why can't why can't that happen why can't it be done right and then you walk away and you're aware that you didn't do it and then you don't care yeah 
there was no reason for me not to care about it. I have a fear that I'm going to like lose my teeth. Mm, me too. And <laughs> I have the fear. I've had those dreams where my teeth fall out. I've had the fear in my brain. My brain is fully aware of it. Still didn't brush my teeth. You know, I will say for two people that struggle with oral hygiene, we both have really nice smiles. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, we do. We do. We have great teeth. Yeah, I do. I'm surprised every time I go to the dentist and they're not like. I get so anxious with that. Like I go to the dentist. I'm like, I want to have like 28 cavities. Mm -hmm. So I chew ice for my anxiety. That's one of the ways that I cope with my anxiety. And I chew on ice because I don't know. It's a really weird sensation. I like to be overheated. Lots of blankets, hoodies, beanies. Then I like ice because it's completely opposite and it switches something mm -hmm. in my brain where whatever I'm thinking of, it'll just disappear because my senses are overloaded with both super, super hot and super cold at the same time. That's so interesting. Have you, I don't, have you talked to, have you talked to like your therapist about ADHD? Cause you're just describing so many symptoms that, that I have. <laughs> That manifests from ADHD. And it's not exactly that, but it's so similar. I mean, it's so, so similar. It's possible. I always attribute it to my anxiety. Yeah. Well, they, they play together, you know, they hang out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I have depression and people are like, yeah. And I was like, oh, and anxiety. And they're like, oh no, does she have more than this? I'm like, oh yeah. I have like childhood trauma that influences how I react to things. and I'm aware of it. Yeah. Because of therapy, but I don't know how to change it. I thought therapy, you're going to solve everything. And that was like my first indicator of I got the wrong idea. Oh, Because <laughs> my therapist was like, no, we're here to teach you how to cope with what you got. Like what yeah. you got, you're kind of stuck with forever. Right. I cope with things differently in a way more healthy way now, but my anxiety and my depression and whatever, you know, whatever I have, it hasn't gone away. It's just I've been able to manage it in a way that allows me to live a successful life. You are on medication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are shamed for being on medication, even though it helps them live their lives in the best way possible. Yeah, I would agree. I've worked very worked very hard. Like that's, that's a weird way of putting it, but like I've worked very hard to be very conscious about making sure that people know that I take care of my mental health in certain ways. So like I will proudly and happily say like, yeah, I go to therapy and I take medication because there's probably somebody in that room or with an earshot of me that is struggling and feels shame in the idea of doing any of those things. And it's like, if you're really sick, then you need to take medication. You know, like, that's just how it is. And sometimes it's just like a head cold. And you're like, oh, it's fine, whatever. And like, you just like, let it pass. And sometimes it's like, oh, no, this is really fucked up. And like, if you don't take medication, like you're going to be in pain, or you're going to be suffering and whatever. And like, not everyone's issues get to that point. But a lot of people's do. And I don't know, just like, you don't have to suffer is basically what I'm trying to say. There's no award that you get for not taking care of yourself, you know? That's great. That was a great statement. <laughs> Thanks. Piggybacking <laughs> off of that. Yeah. No one should ever feel ashamed for taking care of themselves. Yeah. Like, how dare you make someone feel bad for how they cope with their lives? Yeah. Therapy is super expensive. And it is. Yeah. I think everyone should go to therapy. 
but obviously it's a luxury and that's Mm -hmm. so painful. Like, But there are communities out there that talk about their mental health and talk about how they cope with it. And there are people who can give you tips on how to better take care of yourself if you cannot afford it. And it's okay to admit, hey, I think something is wrong with me. Yeah. And it's okay to take medication. It's okay to go to therapy because if you don't admit that to yourself, how are you going to get better? Yes, I agree. The first step to to healing really with anything is like just accepting it that it exists, right? And I like that you brought it up that the accessibility of therapy is not always there. Like insurance doesn't always cover it. Even if it does, it doesn't even, it doesn't always cover all of it. And even if it does cover all of it, you, there's still like that part of like having to find a therapist that fits for you that is really hard to do if you're in a bad place, you know, because the accessibility of it is really fucked up that it's not easy for people to find help for themselves, but also that there are communities that talk about it. If you can't get the therapy experience, you have like the therapy groups and therapists on TikTok and on Instagram. And like, is that the ideal? Is that the best way of going about it? Probably not, but it is absolutely better than not seeking any help. And there there are also like free hotlines and, and things like that. And I think you bring up a really good point. If you do find a therapist that doesn't fit with you or your goals or you just don't vibe or something, you're allowed to break up with your therapist. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally, totally, totally. You are allowed to find a new therapist. You're not stuck with whatever mental health support you're getting. You can change it if it's not working for you. Do you mean like if you're in therapy and you're and you're not like having any breakthroughs? No, you're allowed to be stuck in your cycle. I saw something interesting the other day about Mm -hmm. seasons of TV shows. Mm -hmm. And this critic was talking about how season one of such and such TV show was amazing. Mm -hmm. And that season two, it's the same thing as season one. Like all of these characters are making the exact same mistakes. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, no, that's realistic. Yeah, I was like, they're just people. (laughs) I'm like, that's realistic. Like, sure, maybe you don't find it interesting as the viewer. But I think that's super realistic. Like, maybe tomorrow, I brush my teeth. Yeah. But maybe I don't brush my teeth on Saturday. I will make the same mistakes over and over again. Yes, I'm trying to grow and get better and improve. But I'm going to fuck up in the same way. Yeah. And so seeing that if you're putting in that effort with your therapist... If you're not actively looking for how to improve in your life, maybe you're not in that headspace where you want that improvement. Because the thing about therapy and the thing about mental health is that you have to want to get better. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people who struggle with mental health, they're not ready to get better at that moment. And it could be for a number of reasons. Yeah. And that's perfectly okay. Yeah. Everyone's journey is their own. Agreed. Totally, totally, totally agree. So you talked a little bit about how mental health manifests physically. How does it manifest with your creativity? It's a really good question that it's kind of weird that I've never thought about it. But I don't know, like, you know, different moods produce different type of work. Maybe like I'll get like different ideas and stuff like based on like how I'm feeling. I can completely kill this question if it's I'm well no I'm just trying to think it's a really good question I just don't know the answer and I think that's okay 
Yeah. Yeah. It's fine that I don't know the answer. I'm even fine saying that. I don't know. <laughs> You're allowed to say it. Do you know what I hate um, with clients? If someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer, I will give an answer and be like, shit, that's probably not correct. Uh-huh. I'm trying to change my mindset where I can say, I don't know the answer. Let me look into that for you and I'll get back to you. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really good. I would just make shit up. Be like, oh, this and that. And then I was like, I'm not helping anyone. I'm not helping myself. I'm not helping the person I'm speaking with. This is not helping anyone. So I think that's a really good practice. Like there's no way that you could know everything and no one expects you to know everything, you know? No, definitely. And so you're allowed to say you don't know. And maybe, maybe weeks from now you will know. Yeah. And maybe you won't. Maybe you'll never know. Do you ever feel uncomfortable talking about your mental health? I know you alluded to it a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, yes and no. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It's not like an uncomfortability, but it's more of like, how do I explain it? I certainly do not feel embarrassed or ashamed. It's just how I was born, right? There are times where people just like don't want to hear it and I can't blame them for that. Like, People don't come to my social media to hear me talk about how my day is going. They just don't. There are places that people go to to listen to how people talk about it. My page typically is not that. So that's the only time I feel uncomfortable where I'm like, oh, am I like putting out too much of my mental health or talking too much about it and kind of just like, I hate to say it, but like killing the vibe, you know? <laughs> like, But it's my life and it's how I feel and you know, whatever. So like, I don't feel uncomfortable about it. It is a little bit like, Am I being too much about it right now? But I hate that I even have that thought. But it's a thought and it's there and it exists. Would you like to talk about it more on your social media? I don't think so. I wouldn't say that I'm like a crazy private person. But as my social media grows, there's a lot of strangers that follow me. And like, I don't need people to know the ins and outs of my entire life. I don't feel comfortable with everybody knowing everything about me. And I don't think that's like an absurd feeling to have, you know, like I think that's pretty normal. Um, Some people are really comfortable with it and really good at sharing a lot. I just don't really want to. And you don't have to. Yeah. And I don't have to. Suck it, losers. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to know what Jess ate for dinner. Mm, Sorry. (laughs) Too bad for you. It was delicious. Sucks to suck. (laughs) So I'm super glad they're going to therapy. I'm super glad they're taking medication. You're having more good days than bad. Yeah. Can I ask you, how did you know that you needed therapy? What was kind of the trigger? So I had actually been in therapy since I was like an adolescent, but it was like one of those school therapists that like didn't really help me at all. It was just like there and like I was just a misbehaved preteen and teenager and my parents were like, oh my God, what the hell are we going to do? But when I like took it into my own hands, it's when I was 17 I was in a really, 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 really bad place in my life and I had become suicidal. And there are a few things that had happened that led up to a breaking point of me being like, I really need help. I really, really need help. So, I mean, I've had multiple therapists since then. I've been on antidepressants, off it, back on again, off it, back on again, tried different ones, back to the one that initially worked for me. But, you know, there was certainly a breaking point. And 
I probably definitely should have gotten help before that breaking point. But I didn't know. I just I just didn't know. I had no idea. So then the question becomes, how would you know? I think now, going back to like why it's so important to be talking about mental health, people hear you talking about it. Here are signs to recognize like when it's time or I don't know, like when you're having like certain thoughts. But at the time, no one was talking about it. Like even hearing the doctor saying like you have depression, you know, you have a depressive disorder. It was like, oh, that's weird. I wasn't upset about it. It was obvious to me that there was something wrong, but it was like weird. It was like, oh, like what does that mean? And now if you hear somebody saying like, yeah, I have depression. It's like, oh, okay, well, like, tell me more about it. It's not like, what do you mean? So no one was talking about it. There were no alarm bells that went off with other people either. It was just like, oh my God, you're so dramatic. And like, from an outside perspective, it probably seemed like a lot of drama. But from an inner perspective, I was truly struggling and having a really hard time. And the way that I was acting and behaving and saying that things felt to me were very real. It, it all felt exactly the way that it felt, you know, I wasn't like, Oh my God, I feel like I want to die. And it was just like, I don't really, I'm just saying it like, no, I I really did. I, I was really in that place. So I think now there's a lot more resources out there for people to understand what needing help could look like. And it looks different for everyone. People are talking about it more. I'm really happy about that. And yeah. Is there something you could do Is there something, if you could change anything about how the world views mental health, what would you do? Mm. Like, how would you change it? I would, and and I do think that we're heading in this direction. So, so again, thrilled about that, but I would really like for mental health to be taken as seriously as physical health. We're still not there. We're really still not quite there yet. And I think it's still going to take some time as everything does, but recognizing that mental health is just as important and definitely affects physical health and vice versa. You know, they, they work together, but also the accessibility of getting help. I don't know what like the word is, but like there's this wall, like governmental gatekeeping almost where it's like, why is it so hard to get help? I'm an expert in it now because I've been doing this forever. But if I woke up this morning and I had never been in therapy, had never taken medication, never had people to talk to about what I was going through, I would not know what the fuck to do. I really, really, truly would not. And I know that there are people out there that experience that because it's still, there are still so many communities and places and areas of the world. And when I say all of that, I mean like just the universe more so, not like anything specific that don't take it seriously in the way that it needs to be taken. And in many instances, it's a life or death situation. What was interesting on my end of things, how I ended up in therapy, which was um, kind of weird. I was reading a story. I was reading a book. Mm -hmm. And the main character was having all of these thoughts about wanting to die. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's super normal. Mm. I was like, same, same. <laughs> I feel that. And so I kept reading. And three or four chapters in, she tries to commit suicide. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then she survives. And she ends up going to therapy. And I was reading that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I should probably go to therapy. <laughs> Yeah. 
I was like, if I feel exactly like this, I need to really write that author telling them like what their book had done for me because yeah, like, thank you. <laughs> right. Thank you. Because she wrote that. And because the main character went to therapy, I realized like, wait, something is wrong. Even though I think everything is normal. So horrible, horrible self-deprecating messages that she's saying to herself, I thought completely normal. I thought that yeah. was the baseline. I thought everyone felt the same way I felt, and I didn't know anything differently. Yep, 100%. When I read in that book, mm-hmm. she tried to take her life and then survived going to therapy. That was, wait a second, this isn't the baseline. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. such a simple realization of, oh, I should go to therapy. And then I looked into therapy and no one also tells you that it's so difficult when you are in that depressive state just to pick up the phone to dial for the therapist. Oh my God. It's so hard. It feels impossible. Honestly, it feels impossible. Right, because my experience was I called, and then they had to set up a consultation. So many steps. And then... And don't even start with me what that does for my ADHD. Oh, my God. (laughs) Right. Mm. And then when you do the intake form, it feels very impersonal. Yeah. And you're already overwhelmed with all of your feelings, and you want to just be like, I'm not going to call 911, but I need someone right now. Like, I'm calling you because it's an emergency. I think that brings up a really good point that people aren't always able to do this. But like, if someone's able to recognize signs, they shouldn't wait until that emergency. And again, so much of that goes back to accessibility. I don't know how else to put it. Right. But I still see mental health in corporate America and governmental agencies and all these places where I'll pass by a door and the door just has little pamphlets beside it. And the pamphlets will have like frowny faces and like things of like, Do you need to talk about why you're feeling sad? Yes. (laughs) Thank you for asking. (laughs) Right. And I feel like it's so patronizing. I want it to feel like I'm going home for a home-cooked meal. Yeah. And right now it feels very clinical and very unpersonal. Mm -hmm. It feels very separate. Yeah. And I hate that. And so I wish we could almost do a rebrand for mental health for the government and for like corporate America. I mean, I don't know much about corporate America, but I know that I don't like it. I don't like it either. So same boat. And when I do work with corporate America, they're aware that I don't like it, (laughs) but they also like that. I don't like it. Right. We love that you hate it. (laughs) No, they do. They love that. I hate it. And whenever I'm working for corporate America, I'm like, Oh, you need to be more ADA compliant. Oh, see these areas? You should really improve in these areas. Oh, sustainability, sustainability, sustainability. And they're like, oh my God, will she shut up about the goddamn straws? Will she shut up? No, she won't. (laughs) Like I've signed up Mm -hmm. to be on diversity and inclusion committee. And they're like, oh, thank God. At least put her somewhere (sighs) because she's going to annoy the shit out of everyone here. She's just talking about it all the time. Like, Please fix these things so she'll shut up (laughs) just a little bit, please. But you know what? That's how things get done. If it's not talked about, it's not talked about, basically. Exactly. You're talking about your mental health, even though you don't think it fits on your Instagram feed. You're still putting it out there because you're talking about it. And if you're talking about it, Mm -hmm. younger you, I'm making this all circle back. Younger you is proud of you because 
you don't know who is following you that might need to hear that. Yeah, that's the whole point. That's exactly it. The other thing that I realized earlier that we should talk about was mental health in the media, where people think that we're glorifying being depressed. No, I'm definitely not. I really wish I wasn't depressed. (laughs) It would be really convenient. It would be great. I would love to not have depression. Oh, let me tell you. (laughs) Oh, it'd be so convenient. And then the mental health Mm -hmm. stereotypes in media, it makes me so pissed. Yeah. And then also the stereotypes regarding prison. Mm -hmm. Most of the people who are in prison are there because of mental health issues for nonviolent offenses. And they're there because at least if they're in jail, they can get treatment to get better. And that's so infuriating and heartbreaking. But like, do they actually get treatment to get better? True. They do get treatment, but maybe you're right. It could just be a checkbox. Yeah. It could be the not 360 experience. It could be the 45 degree experience, which is so heartbreaking. And then with the media, the villains are coded to have mental health issues. Oh, I mean, they don't even code it at this point. They're straight up saying it. I I don't, I don't know. I'm serious. Like the Joker. The the whole thing was about mental health, not like a big movie person. And like, I don't know much about like mainstream movies at all. But that one I do know about and like, they weren't hiding it. They were like, yeah, no, he's he's like this because he's whatever he had. I don't know. Right. And then there was this whole thing about like 13 reasons why. And then there's a lot of pushback with euphoria and different shows because a lot of people are saying, They're glorifying suicide. They're glorifying mental health issues. They're glorifying drug use. No, this is what it looks like. It's not glorifying. It's, I mean, I watch Euphoria. I watch 13 Reasons Why. As somebody that's experienced suicidal ideation and suicidal tendencies and suicidal attempts, the ugliness is very real. It is certainly not glorified. Something being on TV or in mainstream media does not mean it's glorified. And like, it's real and it's scary. No, exactly. And I'm in the LGBTQIA2 plus alphabet soup family. We do have all the letters. I think I've done it before. I think I've gone through all the letters and... We have A through Z. If you go through like A, you're like asexual, A, C, got bisexual, <laughs> C, cisgendered. Would you count that? Yeah. You could. And then there's lists for everything. But there is a word for everyone. Everyone is included. I'm a part of the family. I love the family. I love the allies. But... There's a lot of media right now going around the don't say gay bill. Oh my God. I, no, I know. I'm very upset about it. No, I I didn't want you to think I was like, oh my God, how is she talking about that? No, like say gay all the time. Exactly. And the reason why I'm so upset about it is because, and I posted about this recently, like if I had known it was the option when I was younger, I might not have attempted suicide when I was younger is all I'm saying. Because I didn't know it was an option. I didn't know a lot of things were an option. I had mental health issues even when I was young. So that being said, this is, of course, my own experience. If the only source of information they can get about mental health, about sexuality, about how they can improve their lives, about drug use, is the media, and we say that it's glorifying it, and you clean up the media and you don't show any of it, then the people who are struggling with that... right aren't going to realize they could get help, aren't going to realize, hey, that is an issue. Because even if you take 
drugs, mental health, Mm -hmm. sexuality, or at least some sexuality off of the media. If you burn the books, it's still there. Just because you don't want to talk about it, you're making it worse. You're making those people feel invalidated. Oh, for sure. I mean, my argument, not my argument for it, but I'm saying like the people that are passing these fucked up bills, I think that's their goal. They want to make people feel invalidated and it's fucked up. Right. And I don't think they understand the people who are complaining. And I saw this tweet and I shared it on Instagram. The people who are complaining about the don't say gay bill are the same people who are talking to five-year-olds and say, oh, do you have a little girlfriend? Oh, yeah. I just saw that you posted it. No, it's true. You do talk about sexuality. You just don't want to talk about any sexuality that isn't cis and straight. You cannot talk about people who are different than the standard. Fine. But then don't talk about the standard. That's another crazy thing. Like there really isn't a standard when you look at all the different types of people and what people have been shamed into acting as a standard. Right. Because it's not a perversion to be in a relationship that fulfills you. And going back to mental health, this is kind of a similar situation. If Mm -hmm. we're not talking about the possibility of having mental health issues to our children, if they don't know that it's there, they're going to wind up kind of like me where I'm having to read a book. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I have these same thoughts. I should get help. This is an emergency moment. Mm -hmm. If children knew about this at a younger age, they could be aware of triggers. Yeah. So they could be like, I need to go to therapy. I see some problems going on with me as a person. I'm aware of this. I see it happening. So I want to have mental health in school. So if people are in the toxic relationship, they're at least aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And if we go back and sanitize media and our schools and the government and our history, then what's honestly left? If they're coming after the gays, if that's really where you think they're going to stop, that's not so. I'm not saying there's no stopping them because hopefully we're going in the direction that we want to, which is stopping it completely. But like in their mind's eye, there's no stopping it. It's like, no, we're not going to stop until we have control over everyone and everything. And yeah, all that. I just want to say, I think it's against the constitution. Just, mm, but I will let it. No, I won't. I'm not going to let it be, but I will move on from the topic for now. So I know we've talked a lot about mental health and we've talked a little bit about media and about knowing that people should try to get help if it's available to them. And even if it's not available to them, yeah, to try to find a community that will share their experiences with mental health and about mental health and bring you into the discussion. And there are books, there are hotlines, like you mentioned earlier. If you're struggling, if you're going through shit, talk about it. <laughs> Heck, hit me up on Instagram and be like, today fucking sucked. And I'll be like, yeah, today fucking sucked. My therapist does that to me. I'll be like, you know, it's shitty and it sucks. And she'll be like, it is shitty and it does suck. Yes, because it's a valid response. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time when people ask me how I am and if I'm having a bad day saying like, I'm fine. So now I'm like, no, it sucks, but that's okay. I want to keep going. I don't have time for it to suck right now. But I'm just letting you know, it sucks. Shit's allowed to suck. Yeah. Things are allowed to suck. That's fine. It's just, you know, unfortunately part of life. Exactly. So 
Can you share any insights or words of encouragement to people who are struggling with their mental health, who are in the creative fields? Like how, how the fuck do they keep going? I hate to be like so cliche about it, but like gets better and it can be better. Gets better when you open yourself up to the possibility of it getting better because I do know what it's like to be like, no, it's never, it's never going to be better. It's always going to be this bad. So yeah, even though that's, it's a cliche thing to say, it's just true. You're allowed to say cliche things if they're true. You're also allowed to say cliche things if they're not true, but you believe them anyway. And I know that we have to leave soon. So do you know what your future plans are? No. And I love that. I don't know. I love that. I don't know. I love that there is like a mystery to be had with where I'm going with my life. I know that I'm going to continue to be in the creative space, continue to grow as a human being and as a creative, but like, I don't fully know where I'm going to be in five years. And I love it. I like that. Something interesting my therapist said to me recently was, are you excited for your future? And I was like, no, everything sucks. The world's going to end, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And she's like, are you at least curious about the future? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, good enough for right now. (laughs) And so I love that you're excited about your future. And I love that you are okay with the possibility of whatever it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So Jess, where can we find you on the web? You can find me on Instagram at Chick of All Trade. And my website is the same, chickofalltrade.com. Well, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with me. Yeah, this was fun. This was really good. It was really, really, really good talk. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. If you liked this episode, it would be awesome if you took the time to subscribe. And if you want to leave me your thoughts to continue the conversation, email me at info at happyimpulse.com. You can also find me on Instagram at happyimpulse. And as always, thank you for giving a thought.